Amen. Thank you, Mikey. Appreciate it. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, church. Good morning, online community. I saw a lot of you online this morning for joining us. So the message today is called Tempted. And, you know, I haven't done this in a while. I think we'll do something different. I think we'll start over here with the far left, like with Rita and Marilyn Moment. I think I'll have each one of you just come up and tell, let you share with the church what your biggest temptation is. Is that okay? That's so fun to do because some of your eyes got huge and some of you tried to scrunch down like, I hope pastor don't see me, right? Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. There's already one person who knows your biggest temptation, and he is the Lord God Almighty. He knows mine. We don't talk about temptations a lot, but we all are tempted, amen? And the unique thing is all of us are tempted in different ways with different things. What is a great temptation to me may not be a great temptation to you, and vice versa. What tempts you may not even attract or try to sidetrack me or anything. And so realize that, but I do want to plant this seed in your mind. I do want you to be thinking about this because I really love this lesson. This really gives you a toolbox of some things to unpack and carry with you when we face temptation. And if you're a born-again believer, if you're a Christian in today's time, you are tempted. My Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous. And so the enemy has been tempting. I mean, actually, that's how we got in the mess we're in, right? God had a perfect world, and Satan entered with what? A temptation. He made something look better than it was. He told a bunch of lies, and mankind fell. And since that day in the garden, mankind has been subjected to temptation over and over and over again. So... uh, (laughs) For lack of maybe feeling like a, a personal workshop, I really want us to think, of what, is, what do you struggle with? What is your temptation? And you're not going to have to share, because like I said, your, your father, if you're a born-again believer, your father already knows. And not only does he know, he has compassion, and he doesn't want you to stay in the place you're at. Somebody say amen. So we're going to look at two main text passages, one from the Old Testament, from the Psalms, and one from the New Testament, when Jesus actually experienced temptation, and we're going to pull out some things with that in a couple of other verses. Psalm 91, 1 and 2, and then 19 through 16. Verse 1 says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, say shelter, get that, shelter, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, notice that, say refuge, and my fortress, say fortress. Shelter, refuge, and fortress. That'll come back to us. Make sure you get that. My God in whom I trust. Verse 9. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, look at verse 10. No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. So here's what I love in Scripture. There's a lot of things in Scripture called conditional. And a conditional is, if you do this, God will do that. If we make God our refuge, if we make him our dwelling, if we recognize and embrace God in our life like he wants to be embraced, 
No harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard your ways. Now, we know this is used later for Jesus if you're a student of the Bible. They will lift up their hands so that you will not strike your foot against stone. We're going to see this briefly in the New Testament. Somebody else quotes it. You will tread on the lion and on the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I love this, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So we want to realize, reason we started in Psalm is I want you to realize that the God of the universe, our Father God in heaven, wants to protect us. He wants to be close to us. I heard a great lesson. I got to attend a conference that we usually go to with foster care called the Hope Conference. There's a wonderful pastor and educator there by the name of Jason Johnson. And he reminded me this, and this is just, it's a simple truth, but it's a deep truth of Scripture. The arc of Scripture and talking about God and his closeness, or you could say his proximity to us, think about this. When we first see God in Genesis and Exodus, he's this vision of smoke and fire billowing from Mount Sinai, and that's how the people approached him. He's far away, and Moses, is go- Moses goes up for that. But then God being God and God wanting relationship, God wanting to be among the people says, I'll tell you what, why don't y'all build a large tent called a tabernacle? And here's what I'll do. I'll come down off the mountain and I'll dwell in this sacred place and some of you can enter and that way I'll be in the camp. And if that wasn't good enough, he's in the camp. God says, you know what? I really want to be among you. And I, when I quote John 1, I love Peterson's The Message where it says, the word became flesh and moved in our neighborhood. You could say God got meat on him. Jason told this, I got to tell this because it's funny to me. And if you want to look like a biblical scholar at a Mexican restaurant, here you go. How many of y'all know what Chili's con carne is? Con carne means with meat. It's where we get the word incarnation or incarnate. When Jesus, when God decided to come close to us, he became the incarnate God. So you could say, God got meat on him. So next time you're sitting around with people and they order something, come carnage, say, you know what? That reminds me of God. They'll either think you're a little off or a biblical scholar, one of the two. But it's a good example because think about it. In John 1, Jesus comes and he puts on flesh. And what? He walks. He gets tired. He touches. He cries. He eats. He rests. He does amazing miracles. But even that's not close enough for God. Because you remember after he's resurrected and before he's resurrected, when he tells the 12 closest people to him, he says, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to torture me. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to die, and then I'm going to ascend back into heaven after I rise from the dead. And the disciples are like, no, no, we want you here, Jesus. We want to rub elbows. We like you sitting around the fire telling us these great truths. And Jesus says something so powerful, church. He says, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand I appreciate you wanting me here, but if I go, I will leave you something better. And the Jesus with meat around us, listen to this church, get this. He becomes the one who lives inside of us. 
We've gone from the mountaintop of God being far away to when we accept Christ that he comes and chooses his dwelling place in our hearts by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's like this. He also made this analogy. He said, you know, back in the day when Michael Jordan was the king of basketball, he was talking to somebody about basketball, and he said the guy gave him a great reference. He said, let me ask you this. Had you rather play with Michael Jordan and learn everything that he learns and let him teach you, or do you think you'd be a better player if you had Michael Jordan inside you? See, Jesus is not physically here anymore, but as he said and he promised when we believe on him, we have Jesus inside us, and that's what we're going to need to fight our temptations. So let's look at the big temptation story that Jesus himself faced. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Notice that the Spirit is leading into him into some uncomfortable area and event of his life. So if you, if you find yourself being led to somewhere you don't want to be, don't instantly write it off. Maybe it's God proving, testing, refining you for more service. Verse 2 where for 40 days, and we've talked about 40, 40 is a symbolic number for trials and testing, he was tempted by the devil. This is the devil himself. This is not his minions. This is Satan. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, and I love how the devil starts, if. It's the first temptation you'll face in your life as a Christian to make you think you're not who God's called you to be. Somebody say amen. If you are the Son of God, hey, Jesus, I know you've been doing stuff, but Jesus, if you, if you think you're really God's Son, tell these stones to become bread. I see you're hungry. I don't know about you. Another funny reference for me, back in Tennessee and Alabama, there was this restaurant called Quincy's. I think I've made this reference, but anywhere that has those great yeast rolls with lots of butter, man, if I was fasting 40 days, that's my bread, I'm telling you. Jesus was hungry, y'all. And Satan, Satan will play on what we're weak to. Amen? If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. We'll bring that out too. Jesus didn't make up an answer. Jesus already had an answer. Man shall not live on bread alone. Now, I, I got to insert this here. As I said, from the beginning of time, from the fall, the devil himself has been tempting people. And think about this on the devil's end. Up till this point in time in history, the devil has pretty much won every temptation he's ever offered. And then he meets Jesus. And Jesus just totally blows it out of the water for mankind. Like, can you imagine the devil's shock? Oh, he didn't bite for that. I'm dealing with somebody completely different. But notice how quick he changes his strategy. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority. It wasn't really his to give. And splendor. And it's been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want. See, Satan will promise you things he doesn't have and that you don't need. If you worship me, and that word worship means to fall on your knees and bow down. It means to acknowledge you are greater than I am. 
If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, second time, it is written, check your notes, Satan, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Attack number two didn't work. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He falls back to the first attack. If you are the son of God, I'm not sure you're who you say you are, Jesus, Satan says. Throw yourself down from here, because now we get the psalm passage in Isaiah. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against any stone. Jesus answered, third time, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, you might underline that, all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Notice he didn't give up. Notice the devil is just going to try to find Jesus in another week period. And can I tell you, church, the same is true for us. You may pass temptation one, two, and three and think, well, he's gone for a while. Now, the only thing I'll say about this, this is a little bold, but... God told me to say it, put it on me this morning, actually driving in. Here's who's not tempted, couch potato Christians. If you're not a completely committed follower of Jesus, if you're not walking in the light, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks in the sermon, if you're a Christian in name only, then Satan's got you right where he wants you. Because you're not impacting the kingdom. You're not telling people about his son Jesus. You're not sharing the gospel. But if you're out there talking to your family about Jesus, if you show up on the workplace and say, wow, we had a wonderful weekend this, more, this, this weekend at church, and I just love my church family, and do you have a home family? Do you know Jesus? Or, or if there's somebody having temptations and struggles in their life, and, and you're not even open to a dialogue with them, then Satan has you where he wants you. And you're not having to worry about these attacks, these temptations. So let's unpack this. Let's get the toolbox that I talked about. Really three applications here. Number one, the Lord is our protector in all our trials and temptations. From Psalm 91 that he wrote. God is the one who wants to rescue us. God is the one who wants us in his shelter. God is the one who wants us to inhabit, to dwell with him. God is the one that we can run to as a fortress. God is the one that wants to set his angels about us. God is the one who doesn't want us to stumble and hurt our foot or anything else. Hebrews 2.18 says this, because he, he being Jesus, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. As we just read about, watch this church, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Do you know you have a helper? Not only the Holy Spirit. It says because Jesus was tempted. And the scripture says Jesus was tempted in every way that we have been tempted. Everything known to mankind, we're fixing to unpack that. There's nothing come in front of you. There's no temptation that you face that Jesus hadn't already dealt with and overcome. So it's like going to somebody that if you were changing careers and you had a learning curve to go to another career, it's like finding the ultimate mentor to say, okay, here's the ropes and here's the hoops you have to jump through to be in this line of work, to be best for this employment. It's like Jesus knows where the landmines are, church. 
Because if you're walking in this fallen world today, Satan has landmines for us to step on everywhere. Amen? Through culture, through society, through technology, through everything. Number two, the enemy, Satan, the devil, has a consistent method in his tempting of us. And he uses it time and time again. It takes different variations, but it's the same basic principles. Let's look at that. Our temptations will always fall into the same three categories as when we just read Jesus was tempted. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Because that's what he tempted him with. He appealed to his hunger. He appealed to, you can have all these kingdoms. He appealed to, I'll make you authority with me. Think about that. In our te- think about your temptations that I told you to call up in front of you in your imagination. Any temptation you've ever experienced will be because of this. Lust of the flesh, because you wanted to do it. It was fleshly. Lust of the eyes, because it looked really, really good. Seemed like the thing to do at the time. Or pride of life. You thought you were all that, or you thought you could be all that and impress people with what you're doing. Every single temptation will fall into that. 1 John 2.16, the Apostle John echoes that later in life in his writings. For everything, you underline everything, everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Wow. Three buckets you can lump those into, church, when you're being tempted. And when you figure out which one it is, you can hopefully reply with Scripture and do. And, and let me say that, that. Well, we're going to get into that next. That's, that's one of our offensive weapons. We're given two offensive weapons to fight temptation with. Let's go there. Third, our best offensive weapons against temptations are Scripture and exiting the situation. Remember Joseph? Remember he got sold into slavery? And he works his way up, and he finally finds himself in, in an Egyptian's house named Potiphar. And Potiphar had a good-looking wife, and, and Joseph was a good-looking Hebrew boy. And Potiphar went home one day, and Potiphar's wife got a little active, shall we say. And she put Joseph in an uncomfortable situation. Now, he didn't quote Scripture. Maybe he did. We don't have a record of it. But what did he do? He ran out of the house. And if you'll notice in Scripture, everywhere there's any kind of immorality, especially sexual immorality, it says one thing, run. Flee is the word the Bible uses. Run. Don't hang around to see what happens because what happens is usually not good. So we have these two offensive weapons. And I'm just gonna, I encourage you, you can't quote the word if you don't know the word. Get in your Bible. Get in the Word of God. Spend some morning meditation, evening meditation. Doesn't matter what time it is. Just make sure your Bible is being read. Make sure you're spending time in a relationship with your Father. Our best offensive weapons against temptation are Scripture and fleeing, running, exiting the situation. James 1.13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Because he's not. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. That's word, y'all. Somebody say amen. amen. If you hear somebody out in public say, man, God sure tempted me. No, he didn't. Somebody else did. Why didn't God? Word of God says that. 
But look at, look at how temptation comes to us. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. How many of y'all like me can get in trouble sometimes with not even trying to? Raise your hand. He told me to stand still because the camera's not. I, I can't. I can't stand still when I preach. Check, check. Ah, uh, there we go. They are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. They're enticed by Satan. And, and, and with us, let me say this: You may have a direct attack from the evil one, the head devil himself, Satan. But a lot of times it's his minions, his foes, and his darkness that are testing us and trying us and actually tempting us. But look at this. Then after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. We, what, do you see the progression here, church? We're dragged away from where we should be. Uh, this is a great example. Remember David? Remember David? He was home on a rooftop, beautiful lady taking a bath. You know where David was supposed to be then? Out in the field with the troops. Had David been where he should have been, he wouldn't have been in an adulterous situation that would lead to the death of his child. This is this verse really come to life. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, gives birth to death. See, that's what Satan wants. He's the master deceiver. He, you know, he, he, I've said this before from the pulpit. He does this. He deceives us, and he's also, and I don't preach much on this in this lesson, but he deceives us. He gets us in. Our temptation gets us in, and then you know what he does? He's also called the accuser. He says, I knew you weren't any good. And he starts playing the guilt card, and we begin to feel worse than we ever were, and we doubt our worth with God. We forget that God is our fortress. We forget that God is our refuge. We forget God is the compassionate, loving Father that actually moved from a mountain to down in our hearts because he loves us so much. And if we would remember that, we wouldn't listen to the lies of the accuser. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen. This is a huge one. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not, underland not, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. Is that a loving, compassionate father or what? Now, some of you know this, some of you may not. This is one of the verses I hear twisted and misconstrued so many times. I did a whole sermon series one time called Twisted Scriptures. Like people that think it's scripture, but it's not. Here's one. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Nowhere in the Bible. Good thought. The Lord works in mysterious ways. How many of y'all heard that? Nowhere in the Bible. Good thought. Yes, he does. But people have taken 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and said this. See, the passage says, he will not let you be tempted 
beyond what you can bear. People say, you know, God won't put more on you than you can bear. Have you read the book of Job lately? God will allow, if it's for your good, all kinds of things to happen to prove, refine, and grow you. But the word of God says he won't let you be tempted. That means if you are a child of God, if you are a born-again believer, if you're a Christian, whatever temptation comes your way, you have the indwelling. You have the power to overcome it. And not only that, it says God is going to give you an avenue, whether it's fleeing or running or standing and saying, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The word of God says it is written. You have that power, and look at how it ends, so you can endure it. doesn't say it's going to be easy, because when you endure something, usually it's hard. Amen? But get that. If you ever hear somebody say that, if, if you're friends enough with them, just politely say, you know, he's actually talking about being tempted, not how much you've got going on loaded down in your life. And maybe they can have an epiphany. Because somebody, some people will walk around defeated believing that. So those three tools we have to overcome any and every temptation in our lives that we can put into play. How do you, church, how do you, beloved, respond to being tempted this morning? Do you know God as your protector? Is he your loving, compassionate father that wants the best for you? Do you embrace him as that? Do you recognize the devil's consistent methods? He's going to tempt you with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life every single time. It may be variants of that, as I said. For some of you, it may be materialism. I've got to have a car better than my neighbors. I've got to have a bigger house than my brother-in-law. It may be power. My identity isn't nothing unless I'm the CEO or second in command at this corporation. You know, he tempt, like I said, we're all tempted in different ways. Is God your protector? Do you recognize the devil's consistent, regular methods, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life? And do you use the scripture? Do you use the word of God or exit the situation as the weapons you have against whatever temptation comes in your path. That is how we overcome temptations. And Jesus says also, for those of us who endure, we'll be given a crown of life. Our job is called, calling us, God's calling us to endure this fallen, broken, tempting world. And, and, and man, my heart's just moved. We have, I know all of us have children and grandchildren. This generation is being tempted far more than my generation and a lot of your generation. While you're praying your daily prayers, pray for this generation right now because they're exposed to so much more junk from the enemy and we have to pray them through that 
And we have to empower them with the word of God. And we have to teach them that God's not this angry old man throwing lightning bolts down from a high place. But he's the loving father that walks a trail when we come back to us, throws us a party, and kisses us on the neck. It's about a relationship. And we need to remind ourselves that the devil is always going to test, tempt, and try us. Not God. Because he, I I believe this. I believe everybody who names his name is destined for a great thing, a great work. Jesus said, you'll do greater works than I. And it's the devil's focus to keep us from doing those great works. And he does it by tempting us. He does it by distracting us. He does it by dragging us away and letting us follow things that we don't even need to follow. How many of y'all ever got lost in a rabbit hole on the internet? <laughs> Down YouTube for hours. Have you ever done, you know, this was in the converse too. We, or how many, you know what the worst distraction is? And don't, don't nod, don't say it loud, but how many of y'all sometimes just pick up your, scroll, uh, your phone and scroll, and before you know it, you look at the time, and you've been scrolling an hour or two? There's a great movie uh, out on that. Uh, the, the designers of all of these apps and everything make this conducive for our addiction. And if you don't think Satan... Thanks. Wow, I can sure use this. Again, especially to our young people. So I pray this morning you've got those three tools to fight temptation. I pray for what it, some of us have thorns in the flesh, as Paul did. Some of us have an Achilles heel that we're tempted by the same thing over. I truly believe God can deliver us from that because I believe God can deliver us from anything. It's who He is. So I'm going to close in prayer, and I want to pray, and I want you to pray. If if there's a certain temptation that you fought for a long time, I pray for deliverance. I pray you pick up these tools we've given you this morning, and you start fighting a new way, a new battle. Because I've known, I know this: the devil is also a coward. You know, the word says, "What resist the devil, and he'll do what? Flee from you." So when we put up a fight against temptation and the evil one, guess what? He goes and finds someone else that he more can buffet, attack. If you're not ever named the name of Christ and want to put on Christ and become a born-again believer, we can assist you in doing that. We can take your confession. You can be buried in baptism and walk in a newness of life. Maybe there's something that you keep. Maybe there's a temptation you keep giving into. But like I said, we have a compassionate, forgiving Savior and Father God who says, come on home. You can come home anytime. Somebody say amen. Amen. And God will welcome you with open arms. He won't chastise you. He won't say, won't talk down to you. He'll say, I'm so glad you're home. So I'm going to pray, close us in prayer. Pray for our temptation struggles. Pray for us to use these new tools because the world's not getting easier from where I stand. The world's getting harder. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. As I said, from the beginning, you've been wanting closer proximity to us. From a mountain to a tent to Jesus to living inside us. 
And you want that because you love us. You love community. You love family. You love your people. You love your sons and daughters. And by that great love, you want to protect us. You don't want us to stumble. You hate it when we hurt and we cry and we make the wrong mistakes and we disappoint you and others in our life. So God, let us take your word. This, this isn't anything of me. This is just your word reiterated. These are tools, Jesus, that you used by using scripture, by staying out of temptation, by realizing that the devil, will his, his mode of operation is consistent, and this is how he works with those three things, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Most of all, help us to recognize you for who you are, the loving, compassionate Father, the protector, the refuge, the fortress. May we dwell in the shelter of the Most High from Monday to Saturday to Sunday every day, 24-7. May we have that freedom and may we have that knowledge that we can come to you anytime. And when we're tempted, help us to realize we are not tempted of you, but we're tempted by our own enticements and we're dragged away and we're distracted. Help us to be more focused Help us to focus on things that matter. What Philippians 4 says, that whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is honorable, help us to dwell in our mind and our focus on these things that the more we fill our glass up with holy things, sacred things, the less the world can come inside our vessel. And that leads to righteousness. Father, I pray for those that may have a specific temptation, maybe that they've had for a long time. Would you break that chain? Would you, as we sing, you're the way maker, you're the prison shaker, Jesus. By your deliverance, by your resurrection, you gave us the path, the keys to eternal life. May we fight our own temptations in a new and powerful way because as Jesus when you came into the world the name given to you was Emmanuel God with us help us this week to remember you are with us and no temptation has befallen us that hasn't been ordinary to man and no temptation can, cannot overtake us if we fight it the way your scripture and tools give us methods to fight. Bless us, Lord, in this time. Bless Creekside as we endeavor to do your will and impact this community. We love you, Father. May your power always radiate in us. In Jesus we pray. Amen.